Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce, the sharp-eyed one. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it because uh, you always ask me that. And, and it's funny, Bruce. My, my answer is that I feel young. I feel, yeah. and it's funny. There's some things feel young. And it's like when I hear a good song on the radio, uh, some yeah. song that I really love, mm-hmm. uh, or when the orders are playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two things, just, it, it just, uh, I just associate those feelings with being young for some reason. Probably because I grew up in the greatest era of Oilers hockey ever, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of a, a timelessness to the to the. Uh, t- it just feels kind of timeless the moment and uh, and happy. So that makes me feel young. How are you feeling? Well, beating the flames makes me feel good any old time, and uh, the Oilers managed to get the job done tonight in an absolutely huge win. That was even more huge by by virtue of getting the job done in regulation with a. A late tiebreaker by uh, none other than Connor McDavid to put them in front for the first time all night. And a three-two uh, nail-biting finish. Johnny Goodrow having a great chance in close to the net in the dying seconds, and uh, after the orders missed a couple empty netters, and I think my heart rate probably got up close to 200 there for the last uh, little bit. But uh, as the old saying goes, never in doubt. <laughs> Yeah, in the la- in the third period there, when they tied it up, I had my loser point hat on. Like, come on, just get to overtime and get that loser point. Was uh, get one, then get the second one. But winning yeah. it in regulation and denying yeah. them a point, so sweet, so sweet. Because you know the Flames are inching up on the Oilers again now. You know, Bruce, they're they're getting a little close for uh, for all of our likely liking, I'm sure. But uh, I'll, I'll find the standing soon. So the Oilers had uh, just seven Grade A chances after averaging eight a game against Toronto. Uh, but they only gave up eight, and this was a much tighter game all around. It was a in the last two periods, the orders came on and and had the generally speaking uh, at least played they outplayed Calgary in the second and then hung on in the third there, and they scored on their chances and Calgary did it. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, and because it's a uh, orders win, we'll go with two good things each. What's your first good thing? Oh, uh, well, I've got to go back to uh, the mainstay, Conor McDavid, for his uh, first star performance. Uh, two assists, a secondary assist on the uh, uh, on the first two Oiler goals, both time goals, and then he scored the winner himself on just a dazzling shot off the far post from a bit of a funky angle. Did you see that as an A or a B? It's a B, it's a B chance because the goalie should have like you know it's a uh-huh. perfect shot but the goalie yeah. should have that I mean Markstrom as they say Bruce he'd like that one he'd like to have that one back although it was a, it was a <laughs> it was a perfect shot but you know you shoot from that spot most times on an NHL goalie they're gonna stop you even yeah, with well, a really even with a really good shot I'm thinking he scored because he shifted the puck to a worse shooting angle, but he did it so fast and let the puck go so fast that Markstrom was still adjusting to the to the shift, and the puck was by him and off the far post and in. I mean, it was uh, it was a zinger for sure. Uh, nice to see Connor hit the target. He had five shots on net tonight, most on the team among forwards, and he was uh, uh, 
as the game went along, and especially when he got his new line mates, which you'll talk about momentarily, uh, uh, it seemed to put a nice jump in uh, in his step and their step, and they really started to take over the game. He played a few ticks under under 25 minutes tonight, and he carried it on strong right into mid. Late in the third period, he made two plays inside the Oilers' blue line to clear the zone, too, with that one goal lead. And and the clock winding down, zone clearances are golden, and he had two of them. Yeah, too bad they didn't get a cheapy in uh, overtime, or when they, not overtime, but when the Flames pulled their goalie to get another cheap point. I'm, I'm a big fan of the cheap points, Bruce. Yeah, um, if they had two yeah. chance, Leon, I thought Leon would score for sure, <laughs> but snake bit right now. McDavid uh, started out the game, like the rest of the team, really slow, Bruce. Um, mm-hmm. In the first period, the Oilers just had one, one grade-A scoring chance. And they looked as... I, I tweeted out at the time, there's just no chemistry on the Oilers right now. There was none. N- not any of the lines, except for possibly the fourth line with Haas, um, Chase on, and James Neal. That line looked like it actually was a functioning line all game long. The... the um, the sum of it better than the parts of the players. That's what a, that's what a real line in hockey is. And uh, I'll note that Haas was uh, out in the last minute of the game, rewarded for his yeah. good play today, seven and two on the faceoff dot. But my my good thing is is uh, Tippett's adjustments. Now, of course, you know I would have preferred to see a slightly different adjustment, but this was a good adjustment. I'm not a big fan in the long run of McDavid and Drysaddle playing together, but. They can go, obviously, they can go on runs and they can have games where they'll win you games and they'll win you a run, a run of games. And mm-hmm. the, the other thing about it is, if I'm completely fair in terms of assessing the orders, we haven't ever seen very much of McDavid, Yamamoto, and Dreisaitl as a line in the, in, over a period of time. When, the, when the, the McDavid line was doing so poorly last year in December, Cassian was on that line, not yep. Yamamoto. Yep. And um, they're distinctly different hockey players, Zach Cassian yep. and Kyler Yamamoto. Yep. Back they then, shoot dry, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's about back it. Then, <laughs> back then, Dreisaitl uh, and McDavid were having a really tough time in the defensive and in the defensive slot, figuring out who to cover, who's going to who's going to do what. And the order, they they were just getting eaten alive on defense, and they weren't mustering much as much on the attack, and and. Shockingly, to have two such great players on the on the ice at the same time, they were a liability at that time. But we have seen them in the past playing with Patrick Maroon, for instance. Um, when they do get the the right combination and they have the right chemistry, they can be a dominant force together on the ice. Absolutely dominant. They're the two, you know, two of the best attacking players, if not the two best attacking players in the NHL. And Yamamoto is just a really interesting fit, I think, on that line. Uh, I like him better than Puliyarvi on the line. I think um, he just—he's uh, a bit more of a glue player than Yessa is, and um, he's also got obviously some great offensive talent. That pass that Drysaddle made to him was out of this world good, and his Yamamoto's finish was the same. It was just brilliant. So I didn't know where that puck went. I thought he had missed the net or something. But I thought he, he hit that Markstrom. So I thought he hit Markstrom right in the glove, and then only on the replay did you see that. That's where the puck looked like it was going, and then. Uh, uh, Backlund, uh, Michael Backlund tried. I think it was Backlund tried to take it, take the shot down, and he basically tipped it past uh, Markstrom. So it went off of uh, it went off of Backlund sticking in. But it was uh, 
you know, it was a 10-bell chance, a real nice play by McDavid to dry settle, and then the way Leon pulled the pa pass back and across the slot to Yamamoto's uh, uh, just first rate. So, so yeah. the orders, yeah, the orders ended up having two lines going, and, and the McDavid line was really going. It was just, just scary, scary good as things went along. And um, so Tippett, he, he needed to make a change. He made it. And it worked out well. So credit to the coach for that uh, good move by him. Well, it was the right time for it, I think. And as soon as it happened, and, and I think early in the second period, because they did it after penalty in the first period, but that's normal. They started with them in the second period. And I said to my wife, you know, this, you know, Tippett's going for the nuclear option. And in mm -hmm. general, I'm not in favor of it. But, you know, this is in... Uh, in case of emergency, break glass, you know, you put these guys together. And right now, when you got, zero, you know, like one goal in 10 periods, it's about time to break that glass and, and you know, sure push was. that button. And, yeah. you know, that line was on the ice for all three Edmonton goals. So well, and can't Pulley, deny that Pulley it worked. Pulley yeah, Pulley yeah, was out there. Two, yeah, sorry, McDavid and Dreisaitl were out for for all three. And, and Pulley Arvey was the winger on the 1-1. One, one. And Yamamoto on the 2-2, and they both scored uh, those goals. And then, uh, of course, it was uh, Yamamoto and uh, uh, to McDavid with the second assist from secret agent Chris Russell, who had two assists in this game. Yeah, I guess that he'd be the guy they they put together with that uh, top unit for offensive success. But, he moved right into the slot. He kind of split the defenseman on one offensive play and moved right into the slot, and then Giordano poke-checked him. Mm -hmm. But Russell, I thought Russell was very good this game. And, uh, you know, so... one screen, but yes. Yeah, other than the one screen on on the goal. Uh, yeah, so it's good. The Oilers had two two lines going. I don't think the Nugent-Hopkins-Pouliot-RV-Cahoon line really showed much. Um, but it... And I don't know, Bruce, about Cahoon. Um, put it this way, I've got my, you know, I was thinking we had talked about Oilers trades and I was, as mm -hmm. I was watching this game, I was thinking they really do need a top line winger, either that or Dylan Holloway to come in here or, or call up Tyler Benson or Cooper Marodi from the minors and, and see if that works. Cause I'm not, I'm not loving the kahuna, the little kahuna right mm -hmm. now. He's, he's not exactly crushing it bruce a couple shots uh, tonight I, I thought he was more effective tonight but still pretty quiet like i'm i'll, I'll give him probably a grade of five like he didn't hurt the team but he didn't really I don't do think much he's a, to move the needle yeah. he's not a bad player mm -hmm. he, he's 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 an okay player he can play mm -hmm. on a winning team i think i'm just not sure he's on the the top two lines at this point on the on the edmonton orders or or, or should be if the orders are going to really get it going what's your second good thing bruce uh, Got to go back to Mike Smith. Big credit to the big man. I thought he came up with a with a strong performance tonight. The the uh, first period in, in particular, when Calgary came out throwing the sink at him, the way they did a Koskinen in the last game in Edmonton, they had what twenty one shots, I think, in the first. He stopped twenty of them, and the one that he allowed was a was a uh, unstoppable. Really, you know, cross the Royal Road quickly buried. Um, uh, shot on Calgary's uh, first power play, and otherwise, uh, 
you know, like a lot of them were, you know, saves that need to be made, but, you know, he's, he still made them, right? There was no softies and uh, uh, a few strong stops. Like Calgary, I think, had four great A's in the first, and, and uh, he made one dandy save with about two minutes left in the first with the blocker. A bit of a breakdown in front of him. The shot came in from the point and bounced around a little bit, and I think the shot even, might even have got tipped Smith was playing a low shot and it got raised and as he was going down he was able to bring up the blocker and get a piece of it. That was a that was a ten bell save. And yeah, he just I, was he was solid. Like he you know, like he was covering his rebounds and, and uh uh you know uh I thought he moved the puck okay and and in the end of the night he stopped thirty four out of thirty six in a three two win. The one goal a little bit went through him, like it went through his five hole, but he had he never saw that puck. No, like Russ, two guys Russell. skated. There was a great end zone replay right along the line of the shot. Just as the guy shot the puck, Smith completely disappeared. Mostly it was Chris Russell in the way, but I think Turris also skated right through his his line of vision, and the puck found a found a hole. You know, but um, Cassie Campbell was saying it was Larson, but I actually think Larson was no. a little bit late, and the puck was passed was by the time. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh... It wasn't uh, Larson. Yeah, and Smith, uh, the, early in the game, Caleb Jones made a turnover in his own zone. The puck went across the Royal Road, as it's called, and Smith was made a great reaction save on that one. And then mm-hmm. um, late in the third, the, fr- the Flames break out, and McDavid kind of does a flyby on the forecheck. Yamamoto wipes out, falls down, and Drysaddle's a little slow on the back check, and they, they got a really good chance. Uh, on that rush as well, but Smith made a a, a, a huge save. I thought that was uh, Magipani's shot, right? Where yeah. Dreisaitl was checking, tried to lift his stick twice. He got a piece of the puck mm-hmm. on the shot, but Magipani fought through and got a very good yeah. chance away. That was a good save. That was a good save. So yeah, I love Smith's puck moving, Bruce. Mm-hmm. I just think it's uh, really adds a dynamic element to the to the Oilers and. Um, you know what was this? What was the thing last year that the Oilers? Uh, there was some weird stat between him and Koskinen. I'm just trying to think what it was that. Uh, uh, just slipping my mind. You brought it up a number of times, and I, but I just think it relates to Smith's puck. Well, he, faced, get... he faced three fewer shots per per sixty minutes than did Koskinen, which is a gigantic difference on the same. Oh, that's team. it. That's and I think that's why because he gets the puck out of the Oilers' end. He's face, facing fewer shots than Koskinen because Koskinen creates a. It's not like he creates trouble for himself. It just—it's just that Smith gets himself out of a lot of trouble, and, and I think yeah, that's the explanation for that for that particular Some stat. Some of it for sure, and I think part of it's Koskinen. It's more into giving up rebounds and just sort of smothering guys whacking pucks too a little bit. But anyway, mm-hmm. Smith Smith was good at it tonight, and he exuded confidence. Like he really has been, uh, you know, he's sort of. Uh, uh, backstop that I, I think lifts his teammates a little bit, and I noticed that before. Anyway, tonight he was uh, uh, another solid game, and and man, he loves to win, doesn't he? Who doesn't? His yeah. game-ending celebrations of wins are uh, are, are uh, fun to watch. So, I like anyway. the fire. I like the fire that he brings, and James Neal, and I like James mm-hmm. Neal fighting Kachuk. That was uh, that was fantastic. <laughs> the old veterans are. You know that's what you do to raise up the team, and and that was a good move by Neil. Bruce, two, yeah, uh, two big scraps, eh? And, and right in a row there, Nurse, yeah. Nurse, and Bucic. 
And then Neil and Kachuk, I mean, some pretty big boys tossing bombs out there. I don't want to see Darnell Nurse fighting. Especially I don't leave on Lucci. It's not a fair trade off. Come on. It's, it's not. And, and it's so easy to break your hand in a fighter, get concussed. And I don't want to see him fighting. He's well, too he's, good a player. <clears throat> he's too crucial to the Oilers to, to, uh, to do that. Well, he's, um, I think, trying to give the boys a lift was the impression I got at the time. They were down one nothing. They weren't going anywhere. And he was probably a little pissed off himself. And, you know, I just thought he got challenged by somebody. I'll take that. And same thing happened with Neil. I mean, Kachuk went after him a couple times. And Neil finally said, okay, you want, you want it? Let's go. And uh, he handled himself pretty good, I thought. I thought he gave it to Kachuk pretty good. Um, he was the winner of that fight. Though. Yeah, I it thought so close, too. But. Nurse and Lucic had been hacking at each other. Like all that shift, they were cross-checking each other. So I think it was done out of anger as much it was as much as any kind of planned fight. Right. Uh, Bruce, my, uh, my uh, good thing, my second good thing, is the right side of the order's defense. And Adam Larson, Tyson Berry, and Ethan Bear all played, I, I thought, very sound hockey tonight. Um, I had been noticing uh, quite a drop in Ethan Bear's play this year. He had been making the highest rate of mistakes on graded chances against um, out of any Oilers defenseman this year uh, heading into the game. And that's saying a lot when Tyson Berry is on the team. Yeah. Because Tyson Berry is fairly erratic, but Ethan Bear has really been struggling. But that game, he, he played... More like the Ethan Bear that we saw last year. A much more settled game, a simple game. No mistakes on grade A chances against it, even strength. Um, uh, he was the only uh, Oilers defenseman, I think, in that category. And uh, just a solid game moving the puck. Larson, Bruce, I, I think they need to sign Larson to another contract, and I hope they can get him on like a two-year deal, like not a not a four-year deal or a three-year deal, just two years at, at a reasonable price. I'm not sure what that's going to be. He's a, he's a fantastic shutdown defensive defenseman, game in game out, and a physical force out there. And he was that again tonight. Greasy, isn't he? He is nasty. He is a very good hockey player, and um, like I'm not sure that he will be three years from now or four right. years from now, but I'm pretty sure in the next year or two, like, mm -hmm. like you know. He is a, he's a, that's the kind of defensive defenseman you missed on the team when you don't have it. And they have him right now. Logason could also be that kind of defensive defenseman. But Adam Larson's, in, he is that right now. And I just, I love his game. Tyson Berry impresses the hell out of me with his, with the puck and his skating. He is such a fine attacking hockey player. And we're really seeing it. We're seeing him bring his A attacking game. And we've seen that, you know, he started out a little bit slow. Got a great shot on net on the power play that was deflected by Dreisaitl, uh and almost went in. I think that was in the was that in the second period, yeah. And um, of course, he made his one. <laughs> He's always got one, at least one, Bruce. At, at least, least one, one absolutely crazy, batshit crazy defensive play in in the <laughs> in the game. There's always a few actually, but this like this well, this was a turnover in the third period that he just that. Uh, that went in and Calgary got a dangerous chance out of that, which another nice saves from Smith on that play. But again, Barry's passing and shooting is, is extraordinary. And, um, it's keeping Evan Bouchard out of the lineup. I don't know how they're going to get Bouchard in Bruce. If bear 
if let's say this is the new normal for Bear, let's say he's bounced back now and he's going to keep playing like this, mm-hmm. um, that's a pretty good player that you want on your team. So what are you going to do? It's, it's a tough one. Eight shots on net for Tyson Barry tonight and yeah. uh, 11 shot attempts. The other three were blocked. Uh, it wasn't credited with a missed shot. Like he, he's getting the shots on target. Uh, one play that I really liked was, uh, I think, probably the Oilers' only chance in the first period when Drysettle sprang Yamamoto up the right wing boards entering the zone. And Yamamoto made this beautiful saucer pass lob saucer pass through the middle and it came down on Barry's stick on the backhand and he was able to get a really good shot away just inside the post that was a tough save for Markstrom it was and he tremendous. came out of nowhere yeah. like I mean that's the defenseman like taking a lead pass from this is after the three forwards had all made sort of lead passes and he was on the receiving end of the third one so it was uh, 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 he, he certainly was a, uh, a mercurial presence out there tonight kind of darting <laughs> in and out and all over mercury morris yeah he uh he's a he's a good player half the time <laughs> yeah he, when, when he's, he's on his like, game he's real fun to watch i gotta say he when he when he's playing well like he's he's got a lot of tricks he's an excellent attacking hockey player and he can defend well too in stretches it's just there just seems to be that that moment each game or two moments each game there was another on the rush where they came, well, that rush late in the second period I was just talking about where the forwards were the main culprits. But, you know, Nurse had to cover the guy going to the net because Barry kind of didn't really take him. So right. that might have been part of the reason there was a, a scoring chance on the play. But, um, you know, I, I think all in all, he, he's, he's, a, he's a bonus, a plus player for the team. Bruce, let's go to our bad things. What's your bad thing? Well, I am going to pick on Kyle Yamamoto, whose game I mostly like, but I hated this play, the penalty they took in the first period. And the Oilers are tooting along 0-0. And the last three games in a row, they were tooting along 0-0. And then they gave up a goal sort of, you know, two-thirds of the way through the first period, and it was all downhill from there. And Yamamoto, A, was like 170 feet from his own net in front of the other team's uh, goalie. But he basically did two things. Like he grabbed the guy and then he pushed him over and tried to slew foot him. Like it was kind yeah. of a cheap play, to be honest. And the ref, I thought the ref had no choice but to make that call. And the Oilers' penalty killing being what it's been lately, it took Calgary all of 33 seconds to put the puck in the net, one nothing. And uh, things have not gone well when the Oilers give up the first goal. And I just thought the timing of it, it just was unnecessary. It was just... He was trying to gain a little advantage, and he went, you know, he, he really crossed the line with the, you know, it wasn't a dirty, like, injurious slew foot, but he was trying to trip the guy up so he could, could create some open ice for himself, and not good. And and uh, it's one of those things, you know, if Calgary doesn't score on the power play, maybe you forget it, but they did score on the power play, so I didn't forget it, and... I think it's four times in the last four games the Oilers have given up a power play goal in like the first 30 seconds of a power play. Ah, uh, Nuge, Nuge, uh, Nuge was just terrible on that kill. He First, he he turned over the puck. Maybe he was under a, a lot of pressure there to turn over the puck. But then he gets in the slot and he just, you know, the Oilers' power play when it was bad in previous years, Bruce, it, it was marked by giving up cross-seam passes. 
especially that low cross seam pass mm-hmm. um, through the low slot. And Nuge was just completely out to lunch, not covering off that pass at all, not covering anyone. Sometimes they were covering a guy in the high slot, so it's a little bit of a tricky play, but he wasn't on anybody. It was just kind of, he was asleep at the wheel. And um, it's going to be interesting, actually, with Nugent Hopkins. Versus he's, if, if they go with this mcdavid Dreisaitl yamamoto combination for a while, and I, and I bet you they will, right? We'll see. Yeah. Um, we'll see, but I bet you they do. Um, Nuge is going to be centering a second line with Pulley RV and and somebody else. Maybe it'll be Ennis. Maybe it'll be Cahoon. Maybe it'll be Negard. Somebody's going to be up there. And let's. It'll be interesting to see how Nuge does driving his own line again, like leading a lineup. Pulley RV is in his way becoming a little bit of a you know of he can take the puck up the ice and make a play. Mm-hmm. So there's, he's going to get some significant help there. But I'm curious to see how how that will work with Nugent Hopkins as the center again. Um, of his own line, if if that's the case, and how it's going to work. I mean, I'd love to see Holloway on the wing of that line, uh, but that's not going to be anytime soon. But uh, it's going to be a bit of a test for for our RNH. Yeah, in our podcast uh, yesterday, which people just check us out for the game day podcast. You might have missed this one, but we talked about the Oilers at the uh, trade deadline and how how they might add players to your team, and you were throwing in. Dylan Holloway and I was comparing him to Essa Tikkanen and, him, and uh, how Tikkanen started out in the Stanley Cup Finals, but it also needs to be remembered that Tikkanen struggled a little bit in his next season and spent a bunch of time in the minors. It wasn't like he just came and stayed in the big league. Yeah, clubs. that's true. Very high expectations. I mean, we haven't, we should have very high expectations of Dylan Holloway, but to say he's just going to come in and, and be a positive difference maker in the NHL right away is uh, that's a that's a high expectation in its own right. So uh, that's for sure, Bruce. What I'd really like to see if is Kyle Turris sent to the minors, <laughs> and either Cooper Marodi or or Tyler Benson sent up. Um, they just had a great game today uh, for Bakersfield. Benson and Marodi did. I think Marodi yeah. got a hat trick. Who and, got the hat uh, trick? I think Marodi did, if I'm not okay, mistaken. Okay, I only know that they won five to three, and they won four in a row after losing five in a row. So they they really turned things around there. Yeah. So um, my bad thing is Taurus Bruce, and I know I've picked on him quite a bit this year. Uh, it wouldn't be uh, a Oilers season without me picking on some fourth line hockey player incessantly. Or Leon. <laughs> or I don't think I pick on Leon too. I praise Leon Bruce constantly. But I also <laughs> see his faults defensively now and then. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm yanking your chain, but go ahead and yank on Turris's chain. I'll I'm an sing, honest I'll judge. I'll sing in the choir. <laughs> an honest judge of Leon Dreisaitl. Uh Bruce, Kyle Turris has hardly won a battle all year long. He's behind the play. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to pick on him too much on the goal against that he that he essentially caused because it was it was because of what maybe was a broken stick i don't know why he dropped it necessarily if it wasn't really obviously broken why drop it but he thought it was broken so he dropped it and then the 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 puck goes right through him in the slot to the open man and he can't make the play and that it's a you know it's a big part of the reason for that goal against along with russell screen and his goalie but um they lost the battle in the corner before that like they 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 won the Kara made a good play behind the net and won it over into the corner and Turris was overwhelmed and Calgary quickly recovered possession and kept the pressure on. 
Yeah, Bruce, he's not he's not an NHL hockey player anymore. And I know, like, he keeps telling you, you know, all the people around the team, you know, the, the line, the corporate line is, well, you got to give him another chance because he signed this contract. No, you, you know, how many games have we seen him? This isn't going to work out. Or it might work out, but maybe send him to the minors and try again next year. Because this year, it ain't working out. And I know there's a two-week gap. Like, if you call up Marodi or Benson, you're yep. going to have to wait. Um a couple of weeks to get him in the lineup, but there's lots of forwards in the meantime. You have Devin Shore, you've got Joachim mm-hmm. Nygaard, you've got Patrick Russell. So it's not like it doesn't, it doesn't, um, now they're not going to do that because they, I don't know why they won't do that, but they're not going to do it. But he's just not, Bruce, every time that line was out on the ice as, and as well as Juju Arcara is playing, I was just worried they were going to get scored on. That, um, that there was going to be another defensive breakdown and there was going to be a goal against. So, um, that's the feeling I'm getting every time Turris is on the ice now, that something bad could easily happen. And maybe maybe that's unfair. I don't I don't know, but um, that's what I'm seeing all too often. Well, <clears throat> I saw one real positive play out of him tonight, which was actually two positive plays on the same play, where he actually did come up with the puck on the uh, right-wing boards in his own end. He's playing right-wing, not his normal position, because he was filling in for Josh Archibald as the last minute to replace yeah. him in this game. So, yeah. Uh, and Devin Shore was on, so it was a whole new line, Devin Shore, Kara, and uh, um, Turris. And Turris won the puck on along his right wing boards in his end, and he zipped out a real nice pass to uh, uh, probably Kara, somebody cu- cruising through the middle of the zone, and then he jumped, jumped into the rush, and they fed the puck back to him, and he fired a hard, undangerous shot from a bad, bad angle, but basically... It was a play where, you know, it, start, it started with him gaining the puck in the defensive zone and ended with him shooting the puck in the offensive zone. It just seemed like the darn puck was going in the right direction with him out there. So maybe that's why it caught my eye, because we haven't seen enough of that. But uh, he, he looked like an NHL player on that play. But uh, he's got some catching up to do, that's for sure. And uh, unfortunately, another minus one tonight for the goal that... Uh, that you discussed earlier. Cooper Marodi has got nine points in nine games. Tyler Benson Good. has nine points in seven games. Good. So again, it's difficult to call somebody up from the minors. And um, I don't expect that to happen. But I'd like to see Tyler Benson's entry-level contract is up after this year. I'd love to see him. And, and Marodi's contract, I think, is up too after this year. Yeah. There are two players who... Um, their stock has gone down recently, and they're in, they're probably not going to get a chance uh, in Edmonton this winter. And it's a it's a darn shame because I think that they're better than some of the players on the on the roster possibly. You know, mm-hmm. I would like to have seen um, Kara with Marodi and Benson on his wings, for instance, tonight, as opposed to Turris and Shore. Uh, what's your number? I'm going to go with number one. Uh, and that is that this was the first time in 15 games at, uh, at um, Rogers Place that there's been a lead change. First 14 games in a row, the team that scored first, not only won, but they never surrendered. I mean, they, there was a few tying goals, but never once did the team that was behind ever come back to take the lead through 14 games. And this was why I was so sour when Calgary opened the scoring in the first period, because it's, you know, 
against form this year that maybe the Oilers will tie it, but can they get their nose in front? And finally, when McDavid got that, that late one, to put Edmonton in front in a game where Calgary had been in front twice, uh, that was the first first time all year. It wasn't just the first time a game ended that way, but the first time the lead changed within a game at at, uh, at Rogers' place. So that that's kind of a striking statistic. And if you're going to change it, you want to change it in a game where you're behind and come out ahead as opposed to the other way around. And that's, uh, that's what the Oilers were able to do tonight. So this was a, a big victory against form where they've been struggling at home, they've been struggling to score, they've been struggling to uh, <clears throat> to uh, get back in games where they're behind, and they did all those things tonight. So that's a, that's a sweet two points. So the Oilers are two points up on Montreal right now. Mm-hmm. Montreal's got three games in hand. But the and Oilers six have... Six Batman points. Yeah, I was just about to say that Montreal has oh. 50. Edmonton has 15 wins and Montreal has just 11, but they have six loser points. Mm-hmm. So they, their record is 11 wins and they've lost 12 games, uh, mm-hmm. but they've gotten six loser points out of one of those losses. So yuck. All right. Uh, my number, Bruce, is eight. That's mm-hmm. the number of hits from Jujar Kara tonight. Wow. He is He is playing the best hockey of his NHL career quite easily. East. And he's doing it because he's become, <laughs> he has become a monster uh, hitter. And um, so he, he got the eight hits tonight. He's hitting everybody. Every chance he gets, he hits somebody. He must've yeah. figured this out. Like he, when he was, when he got waved, he must've thought, okay, what can I do to, to yeah. stay in the NHL? And he thought, okay, the least I can do is finish my check every single time and try to finish as hard as I can. And he's sticking to that. And it's really, really working. It is a fantastic yeah. tactic for Jujar Kara. Mm-hmm. He, Bruce, in the entire league of players who play regularly in more than 10 games this year, he is mm-hmm. third in the league for hits per 60. Ryan Reeves of Las Vegas <laughs> leads at 23.6. Yeah. Christian Fisher of Arizona, I didn't know he was a hitter, oh. but he's, he's at 20.2. Okay. And uh, Kara is at 20.1, just ahead of wow. Brandon Tanev at 19.5 hits per 60. So, uh, and, and if he keeps running up those numbers like he has these games for hits, he's going to he's gonna take over the lead. Well, he had 12 last game and eight tonight, 20 in yeah. two games. I, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen it. Certainly a forward get that many uh, in consecutive games. Sometimes a guy will have a big night, and then the next night he'll have like one, right? Because he's kind <laughs> of banged up himself from all the bruising he was doing in the, in the previous game. But uh, 12 followed up by eight. And there was one shift where he, he he finally went to the bench after you know just 40 or 45 seconds or whatever, and I said to my wife, pretty sure Kara had at least three hits on that shift. Like he just kept pounding guys one after the other and on various places around the uh, arena, and and it's uh, it's fun to watch because uh, uh, they know he's there, right? And they know they don't have time to do a whole lot, and they're go- you're going to see guys starting to cough the puck up a little bit more yeah. yeah you know we were mentioning last game bruce like i was i think i was remarking like how does archibald stay healthy throwing all those hits yeah and, yeah. and then he's i exactly. wonder if he did i mean he just was hammering pulverizing people with hits yeah. and, and it's got to take wear and tear on the old the little little old body that he's got there but well, i hope he's okay in a game where the others were missing 
uh, Josh Archibald, and it started out as a heavy-hitting game, and, and I said, again, to my wife early in the game, I said, you know, who's, who the Oilers got to answer with Archibald out? They're already missing Cassian, you know. Uh, we got Kara, and, and of course, Kara really did lead the, lead the charge. And Devon Shore, Paul Yarvey each had four hits in that game as well. So uh, bottom sixers were uh, 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 were throwing their weight around and to good effect, I thought. I don't so mind Bruce, a hard-hitting game. This this game had a lot. There was a lot in this game. There was a lot to old-timey hockey. I guess if you I, hate fights, you probably hated that little span in the first period. But if they're if they're legit, I don't mind an occasional old. I, I hate the stage fights, but these weren't those. I really enjoyed that game, of course, because the Oilers won. That always makes it better. So, uh, speaking of uh, leading the league, Adam Larson leads the league in block shots per 60. He's at uh, 9.51 blocks per 60. Mm-hmm. Next best is Alec Martinez, 8.9 per 60. Slater Cuckoo, third, 7.9. Wow. I wouldn't have guessed that, but um, he was playing strong hockey. It's interesting to see Caleb Jones now playing and compare him to Cuckoo, like because they're mm-hmm. kind of playing in the same role. And right. and um, Cuckoo yeah. was in his way a little bit. Yeah, uh, but Cuckoo played very well. They, they've mm-hmm. been they've been you know Jones has Jones has played okay, but Cuckoo also played okay. So uh, but and Logason I think has played better than either of them. So with with Logason's getting healthy, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the lineup. So, uh, anyway, for now, I think Evan Bouchard's going to stay on the shelf, Bruce. I don't see them making a change. I don't think yeah, I like Tip, that. Tippett said he had a bad game against Toronto. And I, I beg to differ with that. He, he, he was, I mean, I guess if you're looking at those two goals that were scored, if that defines a bad game, then I guess that's the case. But... For the, that was the game where he had he was my number because he had he was on the ice for 19 shot attempts for the Oilers and three for Toronto and two of the three went in the net. But actually, for most of the game, he was pretty good, and those numbers support that. But on the, on the key plays, he got beat, and I'm pretty sure that's those key plays that's sticking in Tippett's mind. But he would have been fair to say he got beat on a couple of key plays as opposed to saying he had a bad game. Well. Yeah, I think that would have been more fair, too. I agree with your assessment. And I also think, it, well, in the first period of tonight's game, when there was no chemistry ex- on any Oilers line except maybe the fourth line, and the Oilers had one grade-A chance after having yeah. such an offensive, like, doldrums against Toronto, I was thinking, I, I was just sitting there thinking, where is Evan Bouchard? Like, the puck yeah. comes back to the point. He's someone who can do something with it and get a chance for you. And I and I still think they've got to f- figure out a way to get him in the lineup, Bruce. Um, I don't mind Chris Russell, um, and he had a good game tonight. <laughs> I'd give him a seven for sure. He had a good game, although he screened the goalie on the one, so maybe you'll dock him for that. But I, but I just two, two assists. If, if, if Evan Bouchard had been in there, he, he probably wouldn't have got two assists. So I'm, I'm, I'm again yanking your chain a little bit, but uh, it worked out that Krusty was uh, put in Chris the lineup Russell's, tonight. He's a good hockey player. I, I like Chris Russell, but. Uh, I think to win, like for the Oilers to be a winning, like a winning team, they've got to get more offense. And um, Evan Bouchard will will give you that as much as any defenseman on the team, I believe. If if he played him in the right minutes, the points would come as as fast as they would for any other defenseman on the team. All right, so they're up against what is it, Ottawa? Three games in a row? Is that the next? Yeah. 
Ottawa's next. Yep, three against Toronto, one against Calgary, three against Ottawa for a seven-game homestand. And then they go from there immediately on a ferocious uh, uh, road trip. So it's uh, March March is crazy. Yeah, Ottawa. Crazy. Ottawa, five and five in their last ten games. So they've really turned it around. Mm-hmm. Although they're, they're on another uh, two-game losing streak right now. Yeah. Bruce, there's one other uh, piece of interesting news. Uh, you've probably been paying, like we've all been paying attention, but there's this... It looks like these vaccine companies, mainly in the UK and the United States, have ramped up production enough mm-hmm. that we are going to, we and hopefully the rest of the world are going to be absolutely inundated with vaccine in the next few months. And um, to the point where there's going to be 2 million Albertans vaccinated probably by mid May, and mm-hmm. uh, more than 3 million of us vaccinated by uh, June, by the end of June, maybe more than that. We'll see. At least possibly that many vaccinated. It depends on how many people refuse to participate. I don't think it's, I think it'll be that, that will be a insignificant. I mean, I don't think it's, that's going to stop the total number. Like maybe when you get that final 20% is going to be hard to get, but the first 80% all want their vaccine and they're going to, so they're going to get vaccinated and that'll all happen to June. Maybe, maybe it'll get a little harder after that. Yeah. Um, so I'm on the list, man. I'm uh, I'm uh, just old enough to be in the next group. Cool. So it's got, it should be happening sometime this month. Oh, were you able to book an appointment already? Uh, well, I, not not book, but uh, I have a family member who's who's working to book us. Uh, my wife and I, and uh, we're cool. just just within the just just at the bottom end of the of the next sixty five seventy four group that they Excellent. without telling you how old I am. <laughs> Didn't we celebrate your 65th birthday we recently? We did indeed, yeah. Uh, knows it. <laughs> anyway, my point is, congrats, I'm glad about that, but mm-hmm. my point in raising all of this is there could be fans in the stands, Bruce, if the Oilers get into the playoffs and hang right. in there into June, uh, I know the Oilers have already applied to have fans in the stands. Yes. And... Um, you know, once all the vulnerable people in our society get get vaccinated, I think um, things are going to change. And I just think that would be great. We watched those games from Europe earlier this year with unvaccinated countries. Um, they would have a few hundred fans in there uh, in the games, and, the, and they made a lot of noise. So I don't know how many fans can start attending the games, but I would hope uh, that maybe you can get 2,000 fans, 5,000 fans, 8,000 fans uh, as this goes along. And and maybe as we get it, if the orders are still playing in early July, if we have that miracle, you could have a full house. Yeah, well, there's a gigantic difference between 1,000 fans and zero fans. Yes. Like that, that's, that, I mean, that, that little first group that actually responds in real time and they'll get response from the players. Yeah. Uh, I mean... After that, it's diminishing returns. I mean, obviously, a full house of roaring fans is the best, but but uh, just getting away from zero and getting some feedback from the from the audience, and it'd be fun to be in there with like a thousand fans. You could probably yell at the referee; he might be able to hear you. You know, <laughs> we'd like that, Bruce. <laughs> I don't have just the leather. Just speaking for yourself, or are you? <laughs> I I used to sit 
my my close friend uh, Fred that sat with me uh, uh, all the years of season tickets. He was a leather leather lung, and in those days, they didn't have this constant barrage of canned music for every yeah. single stoppage of play. Where you know it was actually were little moments, little pockets of silence where the fans could participate. And every once in a while, he'd let one rip, and you could hear it in the whole barn. That'd be fun. <laughs> It would be fantastic. I don't. Mm. I don't go to the games, but um, I. I just think I know lots of people are itching to go, and and uh, looks like they might get that opportunity. So I mean, it just it just it was just I'm elated actually with this news on the vaccines. It's it had been you know the end of September sounded an awful long way off to me, but if we it just like that's forever. Like that's another mm-hmm. half year. That's crap. I'm and I'm you know I'm just done with it. So. Yeah. If it's we, basically yeah. a year. Next week will be marking the, the year since yeah. the shutdown of the NHL, and basically everything changed on March 11th, 12th, 13th. Yeah. Oh, so last year, Friday the 13th was kind of my pinned date. That was the date they closed the Science Center, and that was when we knew everything was off the rails. So to have this good news, just as as we are coming up to this big anniversary, it's it's not a moment too soon. I'm going to say. <laughs> And, uh, you know, thank goodness for the miracle of modern medicine and all of those pharmacy companies and incredible scientists um, who developed uh, developed these vaccines for us. And it's lots of them. Like there's lots of lots of different lots of different companies unlocked the, the key to the vaccine in a very new, short period of science, too. Yeah. Going after going after the spike. The science the hell out of it. Spike. Yeah. All righty. Bruce, uh, I'll see you again when we talk. It's my, the game's Monday night. Monday night uh, against the Senators, and then uh, it's just a barrage of games after uh, after that. So it's next time the Oilers get more than one day off between the games is after the game of March 29th. So it's like 12 and 21 days or something. Like I know they have 10 and 16 days at one point. So it's just going to be a lot of games. It's going to be a real test of their stamina and endurance. Um, so you got to get the wins when you can and uh, to uh, take advantage of this one extra day's rest before this game and come out and collect the two points was huge. They had to stop the bleeding and they had to stop it quick. Yeah. Do you think we'll see Smith next game? Probably. Probably, yeah. They should. Pro- I just worry about how much they're playing that. That uh, he is playing so very well, but I just worry about yeah. uh, the amount they're riding him, Bruce. Yeah. yeah. Uh, All righty. So you're doing the game grades. You bet. Okay. Thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.